thanks to our sponsor, ShareGate. Microsoft Teams can be a great tool for your organization. That is, before your users make your environment messier than eating a hard shell taco. And that's where ShareCake comes in. Their user-friendly tools automate the tedious daily tasks involved in migrating, managing, and securing Microsoft Teams so that you can maintain a safe and productive environment without locking it down. Head over to ShareGate.com for your free 30-day trial and transform the way that you manage your Microsoft Teams. This is the Microsoft Cloud Show, episode 442. CJ and I are going to talk about some new Azure features, some announcements around the TLS changes and SDKs for developers, as well as a bunch of other news in the Microsoft 365 space, recorded live January the 12th, 2022. This episode is brought to you by Raygun. Are you under increasing pressure to ship code faster than ever before? Then it's time to work smarter with Raygun's modern approach to error and performance monitoring. Raygun gives you instant visibility into the health of your software. And what makes it so unique is that not only it tells you when something's gone wrong, it shows you exactly where it's gone wrong and how to fix it right down to the line of code. Made by developers for developers, Raygun has built a suite of monitoring tools that are used and loved by thousands of software teams every day. Monitor every corner of your tech stack with widespread language support and native integrations with GitHub, Jira, Slack, Bitbucket, Octopus Deploy, and more for even greater visibility. Visit raygun.com to resolve issues faster and to deliver flawless digital experiences to your users. That's raygun.com to get started on your 14-day free trial with plans starting from as little as $4 per month. Back to the show. All right. I know that when I just said that intro that I'm a developer and I'm off by one. And it really is January the 13th, but that's okay. We're just going to let it fly. <laughs> Funny. How are you? Uh, off I'm by good. one? Yeah, I'm off by one today. I, I you wish sound like a superhero. And here's off by one guy. <laughs> well, if I was, it would. Is, isn't a superhero like a unique thing? You're a noob superhero. Well, if I <laughs> see my my theory is that if a superhero means that you're like one of few or you know one of one of many. But if I'm off by one, I mean, that just, I just segmented the entire class of developers in the world. That's so I mean, true. we're not only a superhero, we're just like, I'm a skilled hero. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You're either that or a VB developer. Oh, <laughs> I think Remember that's an oxymoron. that started at one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure that was VB, wasn't it? Something like that. Uh, yeah. Hey, how are you doing today? How, what you, what you been up to since we last got together? I'm doing all right, actually. I'm, uh, what am I doing? Oh gosh, lots of lots of work related stuff that I won't get into, but it's been it's been it's been it's been good actually. Getting back, you know, first week back is always like hmm. second week back, I guess now. You know, catching up on what happened over the break and getting back on top of things. So last week was running around like a bit of a headless chicken, but this week actually getting a bunch of productive stuff done and getting into the year really. Hmm. It's felt good. I went into the office for the first time in a long time uh, earlier this week just for a visit. Yeah, and um, chat with a couple of folks. So that was that was good. But uh, other than that, yeah, pretty pretty quiet on the home front. Very nice. Yeah, it, same. I've had my head down working on a building a demo, building a sample to write a, a a module about it for a Microsoft learning module that I'm working on related to Microsoft Teams. And um, it's been let's just say it's the either I'm having an issue understanding it, or the developer docs could be a bit more clear. And mm. I think it's probably part of both, but I don't know. 
Yeah, it's challenge. It's I'm having some challenges building a a Teams app and using the doc. Sorry, building a Teams app that's a meeting app. So different experiences like the pre-meeting, post-meeting side panel and the during meeting stage. And it's neat what you can do, but it's tough. I'm having some challenges with it and some things just feel like you're pointing in two different directions. And so mm. like one day I make a lot of progress and I come downstairs the next day and I'm incredibly frustrated. My wife sees me. I've got the stuff that I've left out from making a, um, a Manhattan <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> and she... So like she usually gets home about 30 minutes after she goes and picks my daughter up from her swim practice. And when she does that, that's when I stop working, go downstairs. I clean the kitchen up, get ready to start making dinner, you know, make every, get everything done. And I had I'd finished that and I had made myself Manhattan because I was just so wound tight and irritated and everything. I was like, I have, I got to take a deep breath before the family, you know, son gets home from swim, daughter gets home from swim, wife gets home from picking one of them up. And I can't channel this frustration because my commute, my work commute is like 30 seconds. So I'm like, I don't yeah. have that opportunity yeah. that, that some people have worked in the office. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she came down and of course, like I had like less than a half an ounce of, of bourbon. And so when I, it looked like I had been through like two bottles and <laughs> stuff, she's like, whoa, what have you been doing? Oh, you're still working on that Teams app. And I'm like, yeah. I'm- <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I love mixing a Manhattan on my drive home from work. It's great. It's a great way to wind down in the traffic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Full self-driving, baby. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, man. Hey, we got a bunch of stuff we're going to run through today. We got a uh, little bit of news. Well, we got a bunch of news and some updates, mostly in the Azure space. I do have a few things that are and are what's new with Microsoft 365 stuff from the message center because we have been sitting on a bunch of news and, and updates from Microsoft in the last, I guess, last three-ish weeks, part because the news has been quiet. But you know, two episodes ago, we... We did our looking back at 2021 in episode 440, in episode 441, and then we took a week off. And then in episode 441 that came out last week, which we probably could rename that the Andrew air conditioning episode of dealing with a service call that kept interrupting our recording. I apologize (laughs) if things came out sounding really jumbled with that, but I know I live in Florida and yes, we're getting our air conditioning fixed in the middle of December, early January. So we did that one and now you know we're on back onto the news. So we want to catch up on a little bit of stuff. We're not going to give you a full rundown on everything that's happened. But before we get started, I do have a few message center things that I do think that we should uh, I should pop off here and run through. So what I've got, uh, let's start out with this one. So first one is a message center 312490. And this is Yammer Cross Geo External Collaboration Support on External Networks for the European Union. What this is saying is that starting in mid-February, going all the way through late March, they're gonna, this is when this rollout is going to happen. And what it is is that members from Yammer networks that are located in the European Union will be able to be invited into Yammer external networks hosted by a Yammer network hosted or located in the United States. Another one that we have here mm-hmm. is around uh, Message Center 306669. So starting January the 26th, 2022, customers and individuals without global or billing admin rights will be able to sign up for Microsoft Project or Microsoft Visio 30-day trials before directly purchasing subscriptions or engaging their IT procurement team. Remember when they gave us the ability for like self-service sign-up and it was supposed to like completely, it was throwing everybody for a loop with like getting new services? Yeah, wasn't it? I can't remember if it was Power BI or Power Apps that did this. Something from it was a power thing. It was a power platform thing. I do it was something. Yeah, and and they could let people sign up for stuff and start buying it with credit card. Yeah, things like that. 
outside of IT procurement and the whole world was like, what the hell do you think you're doing? Yeah. And it, this, so this is a little bit different in the sense that they're letting you sign up for trials without having to get 30 yeah. day trials, without having to get your IT group and procurement involved. Yeah. So it's a, that's a better approach, I guess. That is definitely better. It's that, like what happens at the end of that trial. Yeah. We got another thing here. This is related to uh, Microsoft Teams, or at least it doesn't, one of them doesn't say it's related to Teams, but it sure does seem like it. So the first one is, is message center 36666, four sixes. So for those of you watching on phone, you'll get that. Yep. No, no, no. Ominous is, four, is three sixes. Four sixes is the range in Yellowstone. This looks like three sixes. If you read the number, 30666. Oh, uh, did I? Uh, in my notes. Maybe you I missed a have, six off. Oh, I did. Yep. There should be four sixes. My bad. Oh, uh, that changes everything. Cool. There we go. So... We're going to start out with Microsoft saying we apologize. We're not saying this update earlier because it's a delayed rollout. But basically what this is, is that this is a new release. It's going to update the channel renaming experience in Teams to simultaneously also rename the corresponding folder in SharePoint sites whenever a channel in Teams has been renamed. They're taking this step to eliminate the difficulty in tracking access across all Microsoft 365 endpoints that occurs when a channel in Teams is renamed and the corresponding folders naming convention is not updated accordingly in SharePoint. So they're getting rolling that out. I guess it would have been easier if they just had used IDs and GUIDs for everything in the URLs and then it's renamed, renamed to your heart's content, but nothing changes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hindsight, whatever. Yeah. Um, the other one, the last one I got here is message center 309911, and this is automatically detect music. So the idea here is that they had some noise suppression logic that was previously released. It's a machine learning based thing. It's now been enabled for most of all customers. And the idea is, is that it's going to machine learning based noise suppression considers any non-speech signal that's picked up by the microphone as noise, which should be suppressed. So that's like going to also kick out music if someone's got like, you know, if they're working in a coffee shop and you got like music being piped in. So this update, there's a bunch of different, the rollout of this is kind of is, is kind of complex. So the rollout of this for standard users or standard licenses, this is going to start in late January and be complete by mid-February. For GCC, it's going to start in mid-February and then be complete by late February. For GCCH, it's going to start in early March and be done by early April. And for DOD customers, it's going to begin, the rollout's going to begin in late March and be ex- expected to be rolled out by late April. Gotcha. So, bunch of different things gonna, going on there. I thought you were going to say it was it, was, it would scan files and find files that were basically ripped albums and <laughs> and uh, <laughs> be able to get rid of it out of your OneDrive. But no, no, this isn't the YouTube thing. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, DCMA oh. take takedown notices. Gotcha. No, no, automate. Yeah, automated stuff like that. No. Although I guess you could always create a somebody could do some interesting blog post to say let's using machine learning and detecting music that is copyrighted and then using like a power app or power what is it uh, power automate to go automatically create dcma notices or I, don't know, I know there's people that are doing these automated things anyway i've got friends that have been affected by that on youtube where they get these automated things like going i'm getting dcma takedown notices for the music that i've created and i've published on a previous youtube video that my own music is getting dcma against me yeah yeah it's quite weird isn't it yeah. When, when algorithms go wrong. Okay. How about we dive into the news? We got a bunch of stuff to go through today. So how's that sound? Yeah, let's do it. All right. 
This episode is sponsored by Orchestry. Don't be fooled. Microsoft Teams and SharePoint are difficult. Microsoft Teams, when simply turned on, can be unruly and yield endless sprawl. SharePoint causes constant frustration with user interface and permissioning challenges. End the chaos and harness the full power of Microsoft Teams, SharePoint Online, and Microsoft 365 with Orchestry. Orchestry is the work-made simple platform that empowers end users through controlled self-service provisioning while delivering the actionable insights and lifecycle management your IT administrators need to enable remote and hybrid work productivity without locking down the powerful capabilities of Microsoft Teams and SharePoint Online. See why so many are claiming Orchestry to be the must-have Microsoft Teams management tool of 2021. Get your free access to Orchestry with full featured trial at orchestry.com and tell them the Microsoft Cloud Show sent you to get the all the friends of the show perks. And we're back. Okay, CJ, we have a bunch of news here. I got a, we got a bunch of Azure stuff. We got some features, some notices, some development stuff. Got some Microsoft General stuff, Microsoft Teams. How, how would you like to go ahead and kick us off? Okay, I'm going to start with something a little bit different. Do you remember a while back? This was over a year ago now. You might not remember. But Microsoft said they were working on this new security chip design called Pluton. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Well, the first, I guess, line or announcements of hardware that will include the chip was announced at CES. So Lenovo, are, according to an article by Mary Jo Foley, Lenovo has unveiled a new ThinkPad Z-series laptop with this Pluton chip included in it. Now, apparently, one of the cool things that it will allow is that you can do like secure updates of like your BIOS. Hmm. You know, you'd be able to essentially do Windows update for your BIOS. Because hmm. it's, you know, you need to be fairly certain you're not rootkitting your own machine when you do stuff sure. like that. So, <laughs> so apparently it'll allow for scenarios like that, which is which is kind of kind of cool. I assume it'll in- includes, you know, the equivalent of TPM and all that sort of stuff in it as well to ensure that you've got all of those security features available at your uh, fingertips for these new devices. Hmm. But yeah, I think Microsoft's doing the design. I don't think they're actually building the chips themselves. In fact, I'm almost certain they're not, but sort of licensing the tech to others. And um, Lenovo look like they're the first ones off the production line with it. Hmm. Coming in May 2022. Interesting. Yeah. So I've got a bit here. This is now granted, this is a bit of a, a, this is an old article that I've been sitting on for a little bit, but it's one that is a little more relevant today because we got a big change that's coming up in February of 2022. So this is from Azure. Azure Storage uh, TLS certificate changes are coming. The title of blog post is critical changes are almost here and why you should care. So in 2020, most of the Azure services were updated to use TLS certificates from CAs that chain up to the DigiCert global G2 route. Mm -hmm. But Azure Storage was one of the ones that remained on an old route. It remained on what's called the Baltimore Cyber Trust route. So what they're saying now is that now the time has come for Azure Storage to switch from the Baltimore Trust Cyber Trust CA route to the DigiCert Global G2 CA route. Now this migration is going to start in February of 2022. It should be finished by May of 2022. So what does this mean? So what they're saying is, first of all, the scope of this is going to include 
blob, file, table, queue, and static websites, and ADLS uh, Gen 2 products in the Azure storage category. And it's also limited to just the Azure public cloud and the US government cloud. There are going to be no changes to other sovereign clouds like Azure China. The reason they're doing this is because the Baltimore CyberTrust route is going to expire in 20, in May of 2025. So they're getting, they're doing this well ahead of, of when this change is actually, or when the certificate's going to expire. Now, they don't expect this is going to affect most customers. They affect the, the majority of people are not going to be affected by this. But if you work for an organization or you have, you work for an organization that has explicitly listed acceptable certificate authorities, this is also referred to as certificate pinning. Mm-hmm. This is going to affect you. So mm-hmm. the action required for this is that if your client app has been pinned to the Baltimore CyberTrust root CA, you should add the DigiCert global root G2 CA to your trusted root store before February 2022. Otherwise, you could have some um, bad things kicking in. The blog post that I've got here does have an, uh, has some information here about what you can do to figure out if you're going to be affected by this or not. And then even has some stuff in there too, to where you can, if you're making any changes, here are some additional things that you could do to make sure you're even better protected in the future for an additional DigiCert global route, not just the G2, but also the G3, as well as a Microsoft RSA root certificate, CA, and the Microsoft ECC root CA as well. Gotcha. If it's not DNS, it's SSL and TLS, right? So there we go. Don't drop the ball on that one. Yeah. What else um, you got for us? All right. I got some Teams kind of news, I suppose. Uh, it's one of the, this post that we're referencing is sort of news, but sort of a summary post. It's called Three Ways Technology Can Help Rebuild Your Frontline Workforce. It's essentially a Teams ad, of course. But the first, I just thought it was interesting because it sort of summarized a couple of things that Microsoft have been doing around frontline workers recently. It was a good summary. So the first one is equipping workers with technology to reduce system stress and system friction, i.e. use walkie-talkie in Teams, apparently. I mean, that's a leap in my book, but Anywho, so now instead of communication being on your terms, you can bark orders at somebody over walkie-talkie and <laughs> don't get a choice about listening. No, I'm <laughs> How's that reducing stress? Uh, that sounds like a great, a great improvement. <laughs> anyway, 400% increase in Microsoft team usage amongst frontline workers. And apparently one of the key things that people need in certain frontline worker settings is the ability to you know, essentially use a walkie-talkie between each other. So now Teams has GA'd this feature and it's available, the walkie-talkie app in Teams for these devices called Zebra devices or Zebra devices, depending on where in the world you're from. I've never heard of these Zebra devices. They must be some sort of cheap business device that, that has a push-to-talk button on the side. Anyway, available for on all iOS mobile devices such as iPhones and iPads in addition to Android mobile devices. So there you go, walkie-talkie. The other thing is they've done some integration with Reflexus workforce scheduler for, you know, for shift. It's a shift management type application, you know, for scheduling people and frontline workers and things like that. So you can go get that synchronized into your calendar and all those sorts of things. They remind you about the bookings app and Teams. I don't know if anybody actually uses this, but... That's why they need to be reminded of it. (laughs) Maybe. I, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's used. I'm not sure. If I was a, you know, a hairdresser or or a car service location or something like that. I'm not sure I'd be using the bookings app and teams to do stuff, but maybe there are, who knows? Mm. So they remind you about that. There's also some reminders about power apps, component framework controls, and how 
You could use these to manage all your approvals. So all your stress can be concentrated in one handy-to-use stress dashboard. (laughs) And finally, they talk about, well, not finally, training. So they've done deal with or done a partnership with Edcast and Open Sesame to bring new training and bits and bobs into Viva Learning. And then they finally remind you that Viva Connections is available to build dashboards to see all your stuff in one place. So there were a few things I thought were interesting and that really walkie-talkie was kind of the, the I think, the most useful one. And then the, the um, shift management integration stuff I could imagine would be useful for some companies too. The others seem like, a, hey, do you remember we've got this stuff? But uh, you know, just in case. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. So back to my Azure, my Azure theme of a bunch of news here. I've got a bit here from a new capability that has been released. Actually, oh, sorry, preview. This is a preview of a feature that was released. Actually, it was announced the day before we're recording this. It's about Azure Static website or web apps and how they have a new option for enterprise edge for basically for, for very large organizations who have very large sites and want to be able to deliver their, their sites at the absolute fastest in the fastest way possible. So what this does is it's going to enable even faster page loads, enhance security, and increase reliability for your global apps with no configuration or additional code required. The idea here is uh, with Azure Static Web Apps, it's you don't have a dynamic backend. Everything is all just HTML, CSS, JavaScript. So maybe it's a single a single page app on the front. But the idea here is, is that they're combining the abilities that we have already in Azure part with Static Web Apps, but they're also adding it with adding in Azure Front Door to be able to have it rep, have your sites replicated and served up from multiple data centers all around the world hmm. to make it much, much, much faster for regional users. So there's some information in here too about how you can secure your apps that are globally deployed on the network and making sure that one of the things about this is that as you, the more users you have and the more places that your site is going to be served up from around the world, different data centers, you're also increasing the number of chances to things like malicious attacks, like DDoS attacks. And this is giving you being able to take advantage of not just that scalability, but also being able to take advantage of existing things that Azure already provides to help you combat those um, combat those things. Yeah, gotcha. So this is available in public preview. If you want to get more information about it, you can dive into the... Uh, uh, into the show notes and find there's a link for it. Or specifically, you can jump over to aka.ms slash SWA Edge for single or static web apps, enterprise edge security, SWA dash edge. Nice. Okay, I've got a small Teams thing here again on the Teams theme for me. Chat with Teams personal user accounts from Teams. So Teams can talk to Teams. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty straightforward, right? <laughs> you know, I was pausing for effect there because... Um, you know, there's a bit of a theme going on in Teams at the moment, which is like adding features that we had a decade ago. And they're trying to pull things across from, you know, Skype and mm-hmm. Skype for Business or Link of whatever it was called before that. Link, mm. Link, Links, Link, Link, L-Y-N-C. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And it just seems like, okay, cool. So now we've got, if the confusion is not apparent, there are now two teams. There's the teams you get for usually for work, and then there's the personal teams which you get in Windows 11, mm. and which you can sign. I think you can sign into in the desktop Teams client. I'm not 100 percent sure about that, 
I've never, never tried it. But so when you've got Windows 11, you can have two Teams icons that yeah. look extraordinarily similar, except for there's a white background on part of one icon and a purple one on another. And the white one is the personal one that comes with Windows 11, and the other one is the regular Teams mm. Teams icon. And now you can chat. If you know somebody who, who's, who uses Teams at work and you use Teams personal on Windows 11, then you can talk to them, chat to them. So mm. cross. Cross chat. Cross chat. Now, if a tree falls in the forest, I just don't get it. I don't get the strategy of having these two Teams things. I don't get the desire to go after the personal users outside of the Skype brand. And, um, but it's in Windows 11 now, so who knows? Teams personal might be being used quite a bit more than I think. Yeah, that's kind of my attitude. I wonder how much of it is being used just because they just changed the branding name. Right. So like it used to be Skype and they're pushing everybody over to Teams personal. So uh, yeah, but it's still a still totally separate experience. You could you still have Skype and you still have Teams personal today today. Oh, yeah, for sure. Today, it might be the latter they're trying to push people. I, I absolutely think that's the case. Right. They're trying to get people across to Teams. And yeah. so I guess they've got to backfill all the features that are currently missing in order yeah. to push them to Teams personal. But uh, I don't know. I, I just think the whole branding and strategy part of that is uh, is a bit of a mess. I concur. So I got a quick one here related to Azure. There's an update to Azure Files. What Microsoft has done, they're really they're really pumped up about this about this update. This is one of those things that it's a big deal to some organizations and to others. It's kind of like I have no idea what this is about. So I'm not trying to minimize it. I just know that there are maybe some people in our audience who are going to be very interested to hear this. That what Microsoft has done is that NFS v4.0 and higher performance limits have been added to Azure Files, as well as reserved instance pricing has also been added. So they took a, they said that one of the major missions of um, Azure Files is to expand to more platforms and workloads. And they took a huge step in that workload expansion by announcing the availability of NFS 4.1 shares. This expands the workloads that you can run on Azure File Shares by providing a POSIX-compatible file system for Linux virtual machines and container-based workloads. And we have a blog post here that lists out uh, everything you need to know about this, as well as a reduction in reserved instance pricing for premium file shares that you could take advantage of. Hmm, nice. All right, I'm going to shake things up a little bit. I've got one here that is an article that essentially is about should Microsoft sell Office and Windows? to boost its cloud business. So this got picked up by CNBC, an article written about it by a guy who'd commented, a guy called Ben Slivka, I believe his last name is, who's a, you know, everybody when they get quoted in the news is a Microsoft executive, but he was a general, he was a GM like back in the late 90s, I believe, mm-hmm. who currently owns 100 shares of Microsoft. And who made a comment like, hey, Microsoft should sell Windows and Office to be able to essentially to be able to focus on its cloud business and, and all of this. Anyway, I totally disagree with it, but I just thought I'd throw it out there as an interesting article to sort of be a bit of thought provoking because Microsoft has in the past missed a few large things like mobile, for example, because of its infatuation with Windows in the past. Now, I think some of that's some of that era is is over. You know, that's what that's why, you know, Windows Mobile 6 or 5 or whatever it was had a start button, right? Because the Windows team essentially and Gates could not let go of the fact that, you know, Windows needed to be everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so 
it's held them back in certain aspects in the past. And his point is a good one. It's like, don't let, you know, your massive cash cows, you know, impair your judgment for the future. That's essentially, I think, what he's trying to get at. Mm. Uh, and he's saying, so he's saying that company could divest office and windows of office and windows, kind of like they did with Expedia. Like, I don't know if you know that, but yeah. Yeah. Expedia used to be a Microsoft thing and then it got spun out and obviously is now off on its own doing its thing. But uh, he's basically saying Windows and Office could be the same. And I think that's a uh, very short-sighted point of view because a lot of the cloud stuff that Microsoft relies on now is based on Windows and Office, like Microsoft 365, Office 365, and certainly parts of Azure. And being unable to make changes and feature updates and improvements in Windows and Office to better work with their cloud offering would be, uh, would be pretty dire if they couldn't. I mean, it's an interesting thought, you know, thought experiment to kind of, you know, what would happen by doing this? It's interesting. It's interesting. I mean, I don't, the other, the other thing to say is like, why would you? It makes absolute bucket loads and bucket loads of money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you'd still own part of the asset. I imagine if they spun it out, there wouldn't be my, my comment to Ben's Filker. I'm on this Microsoft group on Facebook and he chimed in and was talking about this article when somebody else brought it up. And his, his point is, um, oh, sorry, my comment to him was, there's nobody big enough in the world that could buy Windows and Office. How much money would, would it cost to buy Windows? And he was like, no, no, you wouldn't sell it. You would divest it, right? So spin it out as a separate company that Microsoft would own shares in. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that makes a little more sense. But yeah, it just got me thinking, like, who could buy Windows? How much is that worth? And I wonder what that would be worth. I mean, not just because you've got just just the revenue side of it, but you've got. I but mean, it can't just be the revenue side. It's like the foothold, yeah, a, a massive global dominance in operating systems. I mean, it's a it, like you're you're not just selling the revenue today. You're also selling all the you know future revenues as well. So it's a multiple plus you're selling the the brand, which is nothing. It's not trivial. Yeah, and the market power that you bring that that you're buying by having a footprint and a on a billion, over a billion PCs in the world. That's nuts. And, yeah. you know, my, people say, you know, Microsoft's, you know, Windows dominance is no longer how it was. And to a certain degree, they're right. There's other things for mobile now, obviously. And then there's Linux in the cloud. But pretty much all the desktops in the world of Windows, I mean, bar 5%, maybe 8%, yeah. something like that. So, I mean, that, that foothold would be extremely expensive. It got me thinking, it's like, how much is that? How much would you like? Is that a trillion dollar business? Probably not quite that much, That's but it's got to be. Loads. It's got to be pushing it in terms of power and that you bring with that brand. Yeah, I'd agree. Anyway, a bit of a thought exercise. I'm going to switch back to our um, back to our, my Azure space for my last update that I have here. I love seeing this. I know that this is. I love seeing this because I love seeing Microsoft push so hard in this direction. To clean things up. And I would, I would love to see this kind of like fall over into the Microsoft 365 space. This blog post is from the Azure SDK blog. And the title of it is Introducing the New Azure SDK Management Libraries for JavaScript and TypeScript. So the SDK team is on a bender of a push over the last year to completely revamp and really standardize their SDKs in the Azure space. They've done a lot of work around things like storage around working with things like um, log analytics uh, and, their, and, works, and being able to query workspaces. 
They've got a re- been a really good job around having packages for very simplified authentication and to stand up obtaining access tokens. Or if you want to build an app that it's either going to use the the identity of the currently logged in user, or it's going to use the identity of that you're currently signed in with if you're like working in VS Code, or it can be using an identity that's defined inside a environment variable. So like in your process.env and defining that within like say containers or a web app or whatever, or by even leveraging like managed identity. They make it like stupid simple. So you just say one time, go get a default credential. And it goes through like this hierarchical chain of, well, let's try and get it here. Let's try and get this. And let's try and get this. And once it finds what it's looking for, it works. It's great for developers because like when I was building it, I had, I was logged in with VS Code into my account. And so it was using that identity. But when I dropped it over into my Azure function, I gave the Azure function a managed identity and said, he's got access to log analytics. And I didn't have to change any code. It just kind of was like, oh, now I don't have an environment variable. I don't have a VS Code thing. Anyway, this update is just kind of them continuing on with this process. And now they've released a bunch of packages related to ARM, the Azure Resource Manager. So they got a bunch of different features that are available. There's one for compute, network, storage, SQL, resources, policy, managed applications, links, locks, and features. And all of these are built on top of the same Azure identity package that leverages MSAL and the authentication stuff that I was just referring to a few minutes ago as well. So it's, nice. just, it's, it's nice to see them have this really strong standardization of their SDKs. And it's not just around the Node stuff. They're also doing it in the .NET space as well. Gotcha. That's nice. I think I'm going to do a first on the podcast. Right, right. I'm going to reference a TikTok. The TikTok or a TikTok? No, a post. What do you call them? It's a TikTok, I, right? Somebody's posted on TikTok. Okay. And I think it's the first time we've ever linked to a TikTok. So how about that? Oh. Anyway, this is a clip from the All In podcast, which is, I don't know if you've heard of guy Jason Calacanis. Do you yeah, hell yeah. Yep. And, oh, is that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. He's and a uh, Charmouth. I'm going to completely bastardize his last name, so I'm not going to even try. He was like an early Facebook guy, I think. Kind of big in the world of fundraising startups and et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, so they have a thing called the All In. They have a podcast called the All In Podcast. Anyway, this clip is of, they did a uh, the 2021 award for the best CEO. It's sort of, you know, it's like our wishes and goals, except they kind of do, who do you think the best CEO of the last year was? Yeah. Anyway, so Charmouth, his answer was Sachin Adela. Oh, Microsoft CEO, obviously. And he just articulated it so well. And, you know, he essentially said, you know, just when you think Microsoft was sort of old school and done, such as coming and essentially rebooted a multi, 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 multi billion dollar business and has done just an absolute spectacular job, capitalized on the pandemic and just grown to new heights and all that. Anyway, I just thought it was a nice way of summarizing how well I think he's done. I still think he's leaving, but <laughs> but how well he's done for Microsoft in 2021 and is doing. So anyway, there you go. We linked to our first TikTok. You know, what I get from this link that you share, I'm not logged in. I have a TikTok account that I'm more of a consumer than I am a producer here, but I'm not logged into it in the browser. And um, their recommendations are really weird. So oh yeah, I'm getting this. I see your the the entry tick yeah the tiktok i don't know whatever I, i'm seeing tick. yeah i'm seeing this entry that you've linked to and 
the top hit for browse for more videos for me is from one called ortho tricks about how to make, how to deal with a bonded retainer. The video <laughs> showing that the suggested accounts are the rock, Jason Derulo, Gordon Ramsay, and Khalid. Oh, and those are the, my ones too. And the tags that they suggest are pets of TikTok, when I'm older, gamer goals, fashion industry. I just seem, it have got another very, hashtag. Um, very yeah. random. Yeah, I got uh, that one random. too. Okay. So these aren't recommendations though. These are just like static. These are just probably static. I, I wonder if that's probably more like trending. How we I have on Twitter. This, yeah. And you're not logged in at all, right? So it knows nothing no. about you. Yeah. Hopefully. But I would have thought that it would have tried to do that. Like based on the video that you come to, like I got Jason Calcanis, Sacha Nadella, Microsoft, best CEO. Like you, yeah, there's you a lot of content that you could have tagged about. <laughs> you could have yep. deduced from that. Fair enough. Anyway. Hey, I've got one more Microsoft thing here. Shoot. And I promise I did not know about this before we recorded our last show. But you know how I said I hope Microsoft does more in the AR VR space? Mm-hmm. They announced at CES that they're doing a partnership deal with Qualcomm to accelerate AR to usher in new gateways to the metaverse. Ooh. They are getting into bed together to work on and you know, so collaborate on designing custom AR chips and integrating software platforms. That's interesting. My take on it is Microsoft has no real uh, chip manufacturing stuff. Qualcomm are all about the chips. And so Microsoft wants to build some stuff that's going to be specific to more more portable, better suited chips for augmented reality glasses, etc. And so uh, it's going to partner with Qualcomm to help do that. It's interesting you chose that pick. So there was an article that... I saw in today's Wall Street Journal from January the 13th. And I can't, I can't, I'm not going to share the link in the show notes because it's behind a paywall and hmm. you get this to the gist of it. But it quotes a bunch of sources from inside Microsoft and Facebook that says that Microsoft has lost over a hundred engineers in the yeah. last 12 months that are specifically working on Microsoft's metaverse offering that we heard about a lot at Ignite. Mesh. Yeah, Mesh. And how they've left Microsoft and they've gone over to Facebook. The article has a bit of a of a slant in it about you know oh Facebook's winning. When I don't think you really can say that this early on. I think more that could be very much a someone got ash, uh, offered a lot more cash to kind of switch teams and to be able to play for somebody else and somebody's oh, yeah. vested uh, stock options from being there for a while. Somebody just said, Hey, we'll vest all those in six months or 12 months instead of going to wait for three to five years to vest them out. So very well could just be a bunch of engineers are cashing in. I just found it. I found it interesting that the wall street journal picked up on it and, and mentioned Hmm. it. So. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, the tech scene here is it's like spit swapping, man. I mean, the deals people are being offered to switch are kind of insane. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it's, Maybe it's partly that as well, but you know, maybe it's partly the uh, the pace that Microsoft's going and people wanting to work on it. And I don't know. That is interesting. I'll, I'll definitely go take a read of that. Yeah, it is interesting. Wouldn't surprise me. Okay, how would you like? Well, okay, it could also very well just be a bit of a hit job piece. Like there was there yeah. was an article that in the top five of Hacker News yesterday, where some recruiter had told someone, and they got this huge thread going on about. Someone said going into or exploring a career 
where you're going as a developer, where you're going to be working with Azure or the Microsoft developer stack is a dead end because no one's using it and no startups are using it and stuff. And so you just saw this huge thread and I'm like, so, you, and it was interesting because being on Hacker News, which is, you know, basically it's the Y Combinator, like startup school crowd. I'm looking at this and I'm like, what? okay, I'm not surprised to see this kind of a post showing up on Hacker News. What did surprise me though, is the comments were very slanted on this just sounds like such crap. There's no way you yeah. can't, it's a, it, you know, look at how big this business is. And that's like saying that, oh, it's going away soon. Like, no, <laughs> this, GCP, yeah. Oracle Cloud, Amazon, Azure, they're not going away anytime soon. It's not a dead end job. Yeah. You know, whoever wrote that should go back to their little hobbit hole and smoke their own exhaust fumes in the valley, right? Because uh, yeah. they're obviously in the reality distortion field of the valley and haven't got out in recent years, which, you know, hey, fair enough, COVID. You haven't yeah. seen what's going on in the real world, but uh, <laughs> yeah, what a joke. Yeah. He, you know, the guy that wrote it was the guy that was talking to the recruiter and he's like, here's what a recruiter told me. What do you guys think about that? So he didn't, it wasn't an article. It ended up just being like a giant thread. So it was like, a. Right. it was, he, I don't think he or she wasn't pitching that. It was more like, Hey, here's what a recruiter told me. What do you guys think about this? So yeah, yeah. I, I just found it, I found it a, a, a bit comical. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. That's a bunch of news we've caught up on uh, from the last couple of weeks here. What do you say we pivot and do a couple of picks? Picky, 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 picky. Let's do it. AC's Voitanos delivers on demand video based training for developers on the latest SharePoint extensibility model from Microsoft in his course, Mastering the SharePoint Framework. Back to the show. All right, CJ, what do you have in your pick store? I for have us today? possibly the most weird pick. It is That's a the goal. original post to a news group from September 23rd, 1992, that Sachin Nadella made looking for an apartment or house to rent or share with somebody near the Microsoft campus. <laughs> <laughs> you that's not even from left field that's like from a totally different like continent <laughs> you like yep. that is that is way out of the blue right so back in september 20 in september 23rd 1992 such an posted when he was at his email address at the time was an engineering.eng.sun.com address so he was at sun microsystems at the time probably by the looks of that and he posted it to sock.culture.indian news group. Remember those things? Yep, yep. The news groups, I mean, you know. And anyway, yeah, yeah. Google has acquired a news group company years and years ago and is now part of Google Groups. And so you can go and search all these news groups. They've got history of all these news groups from decades ago. And I stumbled upon, not really, I was I found the link in a group that I'm a part of, which is the Sacha looking for housing because he was moving to Redmond. How about that? And it's got his phone number in it. And I'm like, so tempted to call that number. Should we do it now? <laughs> I don't think we're set up to be able to call it, to be able to, to pipe that on there. If you want to try for it, go for it. Okay, hold on, hold on. Oh God, this could be bad. We might have to censor this out. Okay, hold on. Please state your name after the tone and Google Voice will try to connect you. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's using a Google Voice, Google, using a Google Voice service, so it's probably not Sacha. <laughs> I don't know. You totally should. This is the Microsoft Cloud Show, and Sacha Nadella. Like, uh, 
how do you feel about named as the best CEO on TikTok? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to try that off the air and give it a nudge, see what happens. That would be funny. Anywho, so there you go. News groups, all that history of the internet is still available to search on Google groups if you want to. And uh, Sachin Nadella's posts are still there. Uh, That's cool. That's cool. How about you? What do you got for us this week? Okay. I've been sitting on this one for a couple months and actually I've been sitting on this. Yeah. Since November. It is titled the unanswered question at the heart of the United States nuclear arsenal. It's from the scientific American blog. So this takes a second. The United States is an arsenal of over 3,800 nuclear weapons, About half of them are deployed. Half of them are in storage. Department of energy. One of the things the department of energy is responsible for is to oversee not just our nuclear arsenal, but also the performance of our nuclear arsenal and how it degrades over time. So as things degrade, they need to be and are being replaced with newer versions of it. And one of the concerns that that people have is with something called a plutonium pit, which is in the aging of the plutonium pits, which is at the Mm -hmm. core of all U.S. weapons. So plutonium is not a natural thing. It's made in a U.S. reactor. Sorry, it's produced in nuclear reactors. And it was first produced in World War II by the U.S. government. But at the time, the United States government didn't really care about the aging because it was constantly replacing the pits with newer ones as it built and upgraded its arsenal during the Cold War. So no one in the industry really knew like what the average lifetime of a pit really hmm. was. They just kind of guessed and said, eh, 45 to 60 years. So during the Cold War, United States, they produced a lot of pits, tens of thousands of them. And then they stopped doing it in 1989 when a production plant was shut down due to some environmental issues. So the Los Los Alamos Laboratory in New Mexico, they built or they manufactured 31 pits between 2007 and 2013. None of them since. So what that means is we have 3,800 nuclear weapons, only 31 pits are relatively new. What that means is that most of the pits in today's U.S. arsenal are between 30 and 40 years old which means that if they really do have a lifespan of like 45 to 60 years, we're getting on the front end of that window on, is our nuclear arsenal even effective? So would it be an effective deterrent? You could be popping off duds if you needed them. Exactly. And so there's some, what this is that there was um, in 2005, Congress tasked this group to do some research and examine the data for the weapons from the weapons labs and conclude like, you know, what they, what the lifetime is for these different things. And when they went back and they asked them to update their, when they asked them to update their work, they did this last year, led by Diane Feinstein of California. It came back and it didn't really do anything. It did, it issued a very a brief statement, but it didn't really update it and say, here's how long these things are going to last. Hmm. But when they came back and said, well, this is a really brief kind of summary and an update on the report. Is there no other information about it? And the group, it's called JSON, they came back and they're like, well, to be honest, there's really no research in this area. So we really don't know what the age of these things are or you know, how long things can really be trusted to do this mm-hmm. or how long they trusted to be, to be viable for this. So it's a big question. They don't know what the lifetime is for these different pits. They also don't know if they're even effective or what, how long the lifespan is of these different things. So they started to look at it and say, well, you know, what is the cost going to be associated with this? Try and figure this out. But then also what is the cost for actually producing a new pit and 
to replace the, the ones that are currently there to make sure that we have weapons that would still be viable here. And it, right now we have the warhead that they, that they build now, a nuclear warhead that they make now. Uh, it's called the W87-1, and it costs about 11 to $16 billion to build. That's the new, the new one that's been designed here. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't include the money that would be needed to produce the pits as well, which would need an additional 14 to $28 billion. So you're looking at, and then from that, they also have the ability to produce, they think about 80 of these per year, potentially up to 80 of them per year. So they might be able to do it, but then they're saying we won't be able to reach that 80, that 80 number threshold until for another eight years, like 2030. So what's interesting about this is like they're kind of like, we have this nuclear arsenal. We don't know what the lifetime is of the actual warhead inside the nuclear arsenal. We're on the front end of what our estimates are when they start to kick in saying that this average lifetime of it to be effective may yeah. expire in the next five, start expiring in the next five years. And oh yeah, the cost and the effort, both the cost and money and cost and time to be able to replace these things is not a quick thing and it's incredibly expensive. Mm. So reading through this is like, oh, great. Here we go. Another really expensive problem, that thing that we have to figure out. Yeah, it's like what happened with Internet Explorer. So... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, look, that is a... It's a bomb of a product. I get that, but... (laughs) No, but you know what I mean. So, okay, so what I mean by that is... And a dud. There was a time when the internet to Microsoft was really important and they spent lots and lots of time and money making Internet Explorer, and it got really dominant. There was a time in the in during the Cold War where it was really, really important to have nukes, and the US spent lots and lots of money on nukes and did really well at it and built a whole bunch of them, right? Mm-hmm. And then they fell out of favor, and sort of and were like, "Cool, we've won, we've won," and so no longer anything got funded, and so it kind of went dead for a few years. Same with IE. They were like, Microsoft was like, oh, we've won. So they didn't bother investing in IE ever again until it was until it was all too late. And then they had to play catch up and now they're still trying to play catch up and it's costing lots of money to play catch up. And the same oh. thing going on with the nukes. I know it was a bit of a tangent, but I was oh. thinking in my head, oh yeah, that's the exact same problem Steve Barmer created with IE. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you walking us down that thought the thought process there. That was, uh, it was entertaining to kind of watch you come up with that. I can see how it could have been quite random. I'll give you that for sure. Yeah. No, but it was good. I like it. It was a little left field. It was entertaining. Excellent. So there I've managed to connect the US's (laughs) nuclear arsenal to Internet Explorer. Fantastic. (laughs) In case anybody's interested while you were on your fun little tangent, I did find that uh, Hacker News article uh, or Hacker News entry from yesterday uh, that people were talking about. Uh, I thought I'll just Excellent. go ahead and in the show notes and share that with you as well. But at any rate, CJ, good catching up again. Episode 442 is in the books. It is indeed. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. We will uh, catch up with everybody next week. Sounds good to me. Take care, buddy. See ya. Did you like this episode? Please tweet about it and drop a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find out about our show and grow the audience, and we would really appreciate it. If you got a question for us, go to microsoftcloudshow.com slash questions, where you can submit it as text or record it as a wave or an MP3 and provide a link to it so that we can play your question on the show. You can also subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts, in the Google Play Store, Spotify, or your podcatcher of choice. And finally, sign up to our mailing list by heading over to our website, microsoftcloudshow.com. 
You'll get notices of each new episode as well as the show notes sent directly to you each week. We'll be back with another episode next week. Thanks for listening.